You're listening to the Product Podcast by Product School. Thanks, Brad, for the introduction. Um, we'll try to make this work. I think the slides are a little bit wonky, but let's try it. Um, so thanks, everyone. Um, I'm excited to be here today at the first ProductCon conference um, to share three key ideas of my, from my time in product. So when I first started thinking about what to talk about at this conference, what would be most helpful for me to share about my experience, um, I kept thinking of different ideas, um, tactics, frameworks, best practices. But what I was really drawn to were the people that I have worked with. And so while tactics and frameworks are all really great things to learn about, I want to share today about three people um, that have taught me a lot in my, in my time in product. So before uh, Mixpanel, I spent a lot of time at Zynga. Uh, Zynga is probably something you guys have heard of if you played Farmville or any of those games ever on Facebook or mobile. Um, and at Zynga, the greatest um, honor that you could receive was the Spirit Award. And the Spirit Award was given to any individual out of 1,500 individuals that had achieved extraordinary results. Uh, and the stakes were pretty, or the bar was pretty high. This is a company in which a game could make $1 million a day in revenue or more. So extraordinary results is, has to be truly extraordinary. Um, the rewards were equally as impressive. You would get $100,000 in stock. It would be immediately vested. And back in the day, you could also borrow Mark Pincus's Tesla for a quarter. So some pretty cool stuff that came with being a Spirit Award winner. A lot of the Spirit Award winners um, over the past probably 8, 10 years were product managers, uh, including actually uh, yesterday's speaker, um, Helen Sims, who used to be at Zynga. So I've had the privilege of working with and learning from a lot of great product managers, and I want to distill um, three key ideas from three Spirit Award winners and share that with you guys today. So great product managers, they're business owners, they manage their environment, and they create opportunities. So starting with the first key idea, they're business owners. So an example, product managers, uh, they, they really understand their product and their business inside out. They're able to leverage that knowledge to make the best decisions for the business. Because at the end of the day, as product managers, we are operating for the business. And so a good example of that would be Pawan on Zynga Poker. So Pawan and his team um, took a 10-year-old game, Zynga Poker, uh, and was, were able to achieve double-digit growth quarter over quarter. And while that might not seem impressive, that's actually incredible in the world of gaming. Uh, so to give some context on why that is so difficult, think about games that you played last year. Are you still playing them today? Uh, the chances are actually very low. Year-over-year -year growth or year-over-year -year retention for games is sub-10%. It's absolutely abysmal. Uh, think about games that were like super popular back in the day, things like Trivia Crack, um, or draw something. Those are all things that have kind of popped and dropped. And so for a game to sustain growth over 10 years is not only incredible, when you are able to add on top of that double-digit growth, that is actually just out blowing it out of the water. And so Pawan and his team were able to do that by really understanding the business and being able to plot out that path to double-digit growth. Obviously not everything worked, but some things did. And so how to think about your product as a business uh, gaming and product management um, is known for being very quantitative and that gaming PMs are very much about the dollars and the cents. 
But it's really more than that. It's on understanding your product as a business. So let's start with something that you have all seen before, a customer funnel. And you have all done customer funnel analyses. You've done the investigations. You know how a customer um, life cycle works. So starting from the very uh, bare bones of what a funnel is, you first acquire a customer. You either show them an ad or they find your, your product through some way. You convert them. They either download your game or they download your app or they sign up for your product. And then they engage with your product. They spend something or they interact or they watch a couple ads and they retain for a certain period of time. Very standard stuff as product managers. How you then want to think about it from terms of perspective of a business is that you, have, you acquire your users, that's your cost, you spend X dollars to get X amount of users, and then when they come into your product, they interact with your product and you generate revenue. And the whole goal of a business is to make this green, reduce the red, make the make it more green. Um, and then let's go through an example of, of why you, when you think about this, you can make better product decisions. Because at the end of the day, when we're a product manager, um, a business goal is every for-profit company's goal is to make money or to grow your business. Uh, and that's the case for whether it's gaming or if it's um, any ad-driven business or, uh, or an application or an enterprise business like Mixpanel where, we, where I am currently at. An example of this is when you can make better decisions is for CSR2 racing, which is a car racing game. You can own cars and you can race cars against other players. So when the team was looking at their business mathematical equation here, you could focus on the traditional uh, product aspect, which is your in-game experience. You can think about how do you increase spend, how do you increase retention or increase lifetime engagement, um, aspects like that. When they actually looked at this, the best opportunity was actually further up in the funnel. It was looking at the cost. And the best opportunity was actually decreasing the acquisition costs. And they decided to build a tie-in with Fast and Furious franchise. You might have heard of it. It's with Vin Diesel and The Rock. Um, but they opted to partner with Fast and Furious instead of focusing specifically on this side of the equation because it really decreased their acquisition costs. And decreasing acquisition costs achieves two things, which makes everything better. One is the costs are lowered, which is always good. And two is that when your costs are lowered, every dollar you spend brings more users into your game or brings more users into your business. And it creates a virtuous cycle of being able to then generate more spend and more revenue. And so at that point in time, even though it wasn't a part of the traditional product uh, management framework, they opted to spend or their time um, at the cost side of the equation. And that was absolutely the best decision that they could have made for their business. Uh, and the caveat here is that this framework uh, is definitely not just for games, and it's definitely not just for consumer products, is that we also look at it the same way in enterprise software, which is probably at the far end of the spectrum of what consumer games is. But the fundamentals are the same, even if the nuances are different. You're always trying to acquire users, which costs you money. You're always trying to interact with your user and their product and to generate something of value. So while the nuances are different, um, for instance, in any sales-driven or enterprise company, conversion happens often outside of your product. That's why you rely on really great sales teams and account management teams like we have at Mixpanel to help educate our customers and help work on customer conversion. Whereas in consumer apps, you probably focus more time on the engagement because customer acquisition um, is, is different in a consumer app.
So when you understand your product through a business lens, you're able to see opportunities that are not directly tied to your product. You're able to see something like Fast and Furious being a better opportunity than focusing on increasing engagement or lifetime. And when you see opportunities that are not tied to product, that is how a CEO thinks. And that is the difference between a product manager that becomes a senior product leader and a product manager that stays a product manager. And in, for a startup in which your mission is to grow and find product market fit or, or die and flounder, that can be the difference between success and failure. So the bottom line here is, and not to use bottom line twice, <laughs> is that every company's goal, um, it might sound a little bit different, but at the end of the day, every company's goal is to be a business and manage the business. And when you understand your relationship from your product to the business, whether you're working on the ad side, the partnership side, or the core product, there's always some kind of relationship to the bottom line. And you will make better decisions if you are able to understand that whole decision tree and formula. So that's the first idea. Second is that great product managers manage their environments. So manage is a little bit of a weird word here. Um, you're not supposed to use a word in this, in this definition, so manage for product managers. Um, but manage is really the best word here because it really encompasses two things. One is when product managers manage their environments, first they have to really understand their environments. They need to understand the culture, the team, the people that they work with, the communication styles, everything that goes on with the people that you work with. Um, and the first step is understanding. The second step is in shaping their environments. They're able to impact their teams or create a culture or build influence and build relationships so that they are truly managing their environments and their environments are also a product of themselves. And I really learned this from my previous manager at Zynga, Josh Liu, um, who is, was and still is really at the heart of Zynga product um, and the Zynga culture itself. He spent a ton of time building relationships from product to marketing, which can sometimes be a little bit um, you know, at odds because they have different goals. Um, he spent a lot of time building internal and external conferences and reputation, um, as well as boot camps and academies. Um, and in 2015, Zynga recognized his efforts with a Spirit Award as well. And what I mean by environments, really, is what I've learned, um, is that it's about the culture on a personal level, it's about your manager, and it's also about the team. And really great product managers really nail this trifecta. And I'm sure you guys know people who are really good at managing these three things. And it's not magic. Um, it might seem like magic, but here's what I've deconstructed that really great product managers do. Is that with culture, they really understand uh, what culture means. And culture, the official uh, dictionary definition is, is the ethos or beliefs that a shared group of people have about communication, thinking, and acting. So very, very fluffy and abstract, but in a nutshell, what that really means is that's what fitting in means. And that's what it, fitting in in a team or a culture sounds like. Uh, and really great product managers, because we spend so much time working with people, this is something that we really need to nail um, with with every cross-functional team that we work with. And understanding culture, there are three main things that product managers, uh, we really care about more. One is influence. Uh, influence is how are decisions being made. And this obviously differs a lot on your team or your company, um, but it's understanding if there are key decision makers you need to win over, are there certain teams that need to have buy-in, understanding this whole decision matrix or process at your culture and team. Second is communication. 
small teams communicate a lot differently than big teams. Um, and then small companies communicate a lot differently from big companies. It's understanding what do people like to communicate about, what often is the medium for communication. The details do matter when it comes to the culture. And then values, uh, which are like the belief systems we agree about and uh, with each other. So there are formal values. At Mixpanel, we have 10 formal values that really drive how we interact with each other. We believe in world-class customer support. And so whenever somebody hears a problem from a customer, whether it's just a random email or someone, talking on this, uh, someone just talking to us in a customer research interview, we always make sure that we are able to provide world-class customer support. But there are also informal values, and these are things that take uh, a lot more time to pick up on. They're much more subtle. Um, and, but at the end of the day, uh, in my personal experience, having gone from Zynga, which is a large consumer company, to uh, Mixpanel, which is an enterprise startup, the cultures are very, very different. Uh, and the way people operate and the way PMs succeed actually differ a lot from place to place. And culture as a company, uh, as a product manager, when you're working with all these different teams, ends up mattering a lot for our jobs. On a more personal level, uh, your relationship with your manager can also help you be more successful. Is that when you understand your manager as a person and you build a mental model for them, you're able to better bring value to the table. You're better able to understand how you can contribute to the team, to the mission, to the company. And you're also in a better position to ask for support, whether it's for professional goals, you want to work on a certain team, or you're asking for support for your product team, or you're asking for support for personal goals. And having a relationship with your manager will make you and your team more successful. And then finally, for a team, is that great product managers, um, which I'm sure you guys have seen, have built really great relationships, either within a team and across the company. So when I first started at Zynga, my, ma my ever-wise manager, Josh, um, had set me up on what seemed like an endless tour of Zynga. I had coffee with every single senior leader at every game and in every function, marketing, engineering, analytics, engineering, etc., for three weeks straight. And that's all I did for three weeks was drink coffee with all these really important, really experienced, um, really intimidating people. <laughs> that's all I did. Um, and I didn't realize why at the time. I thought I was just getting to know the company. But when I first started my, my, big, my first big tough project, I found that having these relationships, brand new as they were, I literally just had coffee with them for 30 minutes, actually helped me get the buy-in that I needed to get my project greenlit and forward. And this is a lesson I never forgot, is that relationships really do matter because at the end of the day, we are working with people, and people will help you succeed. So the bottom line here is that a lot of product management is working with people, and you need to understand and shape your environment in order to thrive in it. Okay. The last key idea, and I don't have any more pretty Venn diagrams, I don't have any more mathematical equations for you, I just have one final story. Um, and this is a story that will, um, that is about, we'll give you a little bit of Zynga history about the rise and fall of Zynga Games, as well as Farmville. And I want to talk about Kyle, who is one of the pro top product managers and leaders at Zynga. So Kyle started on Farmville 1 and 2, very old school Zynga back in the day, think when, back when it was on Facebook Games. Farmville 1 started about 10 years ago. Farmville 2 started about 6 years ago. And like we had talked about earlier, it's very hard for a game to be around for 10 years. And Farmville 1, though it's still around, 
it's certainly not the same as it was when it first came out. So from everyone in the audience, how many of you have heard of or played Farmville 1 or 2? So like probably 70, 80% of the audience, so a lot of you guys. Um, so Farmville 1 and 2, at its peak, was regularly making something like $1 million a day. It was basically killing it. It was a great business. But something happened. And can you guess what happened? Yes, I think you guys got it. So something called smartphones came out. Mobile applications became a thing. And uh, the mass social casual gaming world moved from Facebook games onto mobile. Uh, and long story short, Zynga had missed the first wave into mobile. And over the course of a year, uh, a lot of Zynga games lost over half or most of their users. So games like Mafia Wars that you may have played, that's no longer around. A lot of these games ended up getting shut down or getting sent overseas to be operated in lower cost locations. So that's what happened with Farmville 2, was that it got sent to the farm. <laughs> and so a lot of the team members, though, in San Francisco, they had to move off the game team um, since this was getting sent overseas. And they all had to find new homes, either new games um, or find somewhere else to work on. And it was a really tough, painful, and long transition process for these members because a lot of them had actually spent many years working together on this killer game and were diehard Farmville zingites. Um, but overnight, they had to basically learn a whole new game. So Kyle ended up working on Farmville 2 Country Escape. This was the mobile follow-up to Farmville 1 and 2. So how many of you have played or heard of this game? So a lot less of you, none of you, basically. And so there's a couple of reasons why, which we'll go through. Um, but, but overall, this game, was a lot, or this game was a lot harder to manage as a business. First um, is that you have a team who was completely trained to work on web. Anyone who's worked on web and mobile development knows that it's two different beasts. So this whole web team trained to was like basically a t great web game team, had to learn how to do mobile on the job while they were doing it. And it was a long process. It was hard and difficult. So that's the first thing, is that it's hard to suddenly transition to mobile. The customer tactics are different there. Engagement channels are different. Being a PM on web versus mobile is, are different, two different schools. Second is that... Um, Farmville to Country Escape, their team actually opted to get to market faster. If they had missed the boat to mobile, it's much more important to get to market as soon as you can. So that meant actually working on a, um, taking a pre-existing game and then reskinning it and putting Farmville on it. But what that meant is that from the get-go, there are constraints that you have because this game wasn't actually built for Farmville. So there are constraints on what you can build, how well you can build it, as well as some engineering difficulties. So there are even more constraints. Third, and most importantly, is that Farmville 2 Countryscape as a business wasn't as good as Farmville 1 and 2. It wasn't a breakout hit the way Farm 1 and Farm 2 were, or even Zynga Poker. And so when we look at Farmville 2 Countryscape managing as a business, the costs are higher, the revenues are lower. Um, overall, it's just a harder business to manage. But over the course of two years, Kyle and his team kept working on it. Um, they tried a bunch of different things. As I said, this was the first, like, working on mobile games. They tried to make viral invites happen, uh, but viral invites aren't a thing anymore, which we are all probably thankful for because we no longer have Candy Crush requests plugging up our Facebook notifications. So viral doesn't work as well on mobile. 
But they did find some things that worked and really creative solutions, uh, including solutions that weren't directly tied to the product. They found things like improving fill rates for ads, uh, which is not something that you would work on for retention or, or engagement. But that did make a difference for revenue. And over time, these small things stacked up. And they were able to take this game, which, uh, as, you, as most of you guys haven't heard of it, like wasn't really as popular as Farm 1 or 2, turn around and grow their revenue per daily active user by double digits. But over two years, uh, they got the game to a stable enough state that it was sent to the farm as well and sent overseas to be operated at, uh, at our Studio I, our wonderful Studio I. But um, in recognition of Kyle's leadership and persistence, owning the business, turning it around, managing a team, um, building a culture when morale could be low, and also creating opportunities where there were very little, let's be honest, uh, Kyle was awarded the Spear Award last year. And what I've learned from Kyle is that there is an opportunity in every situation, even in the toughest ones, even the bleakest ones, even when team morale is really low. So in summary, we as product managers are given the great privilege and trust from our teams and our customers to move our products forward. So go forth, take a page from Kyle, Josh, and Pawan's book, own the business, understand your business, create a team culture that you're proud of, that you are glad to be in every day, and create opportunities in every situation, no matter how tough or sticky it looks. Thank you. <laughs>